The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning. I'm a typical Baptist pastor, I guess. Sarah had forgotten the offering, and I made sure she got the offering. (laughs) Those of you who are part of family know I'm joking. If you're a guest, it's a joke. Um, A couple of things I was thinking about this morning, really, as Jason and Andrea and Grant were sharing. I I know my kids are raised, and and they're gone, but um, I don't know about you. How many of you feel like that? When you were raising your kids, now that you're older, looking back, you you may have missed out on some opportunities because life was just life. Any of you like that? I thought, you know, maybe that's a good poppy and granddaughter. Uh, If my wife would volunteer to keep the twins, (laughs) maybe that's uh, that's a place you're in. And I I look back now and I think, man, I I, want to do some things with my grandkids, particularly spiritually, that I may not have done with my kids. And so it's an opportunity for us, regardless of what our age is. A couple of things I want to make you aware of, too, are a couple of opportunities you as a body uh, have to uh, reach out to perhaps one of your ones that you've been praying for for, uh, that you might invite them to a special service that's coming up. There'll be more information and some invite cards that are coming for our Easter service that's uh, late this year, but it's just around the corner. So you'll be praying about who those individuals would be that you would want to invite to one of our two services, 9:30 or 11. Uh, they'll, both services will be identical and maybe consider serving the other service. But the second thing that we have, and I think there's a note in your bulletin this morning, how many of you have recognized that in our community we have a large a Caribbean population within our community. And we know that uh, the Lord has given us a mission and a vision that we might be a church, if I can use a phrase for all nations, for all peoples, that we desire to display the grace of God to all people with a responsibility to win them to Christ, to make disciples of them, and to send them for Christ. And having identified that there's that large population within our community and our area, we're going to have a special weekend that's coming up in April. I think it's April the 19th, if uh, my, uh, my memory correct, uh, serves me correct. But, but where we are going to host a special speaker from, uh, from St. Kitts that will be here with his worship team that will be leading us that day in both of our services. And we're going to have a Caribbean service. So, but the key to that, however, is that we identify whether it's those maybe who might be our one, someone who lives in our community, in our neighborhood, a next-door neighbor maybe, that may be Caribbean, uh, and they are unchurched. Well, we want to invite them that Saturday before for a dinner here that uh, our community here within First Conyers will be hosting, and then Sunday invite them back for a special Caribbean Sunday in hopes and prayer that some will come to know Christ. So those are a couple of events coming up that I would encourage you to be praying about. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to share this morning on kind of the second half of the message, Blessed Assurance, that we began looking at. But just by way of introduction, I had uh, Googled some responses this week of of questions or, or 
requests that are made to Santa every year. Richard, I sent you a, an email, but I didn't get a response back, and I'm sure you could share some crazy, crazy responses. But you all remember when you took your kids to see Santa Claus, or maybe you still go and see Santa Claus, and some of the things that they came up with, and I just love these. And I think this is a great picture for what John is telling us this morning. So here are just five quick questions that kids ask from Santa, or they have asked from Santa. One little girl uh, had a very serious request of Santa, and she asked Santa, Santa, would you take my little brother away? Because he's annoying. <laughs> Another one, this may embarrass you, but I, I loved it. I couldn't help but include it. Uh, one little child asked Santa, Santa, how do elves reproduce? <laughs> thought that was good. Shy little girl sitting in Santa's lap, and she only nodded at Santa's questions as he would ask her. And so the mom take, takes the little girl from Santa, begins to lead her away. And as she's walking around from Santa, she turns and yells at the top of her lungs, I hate mac and cheese. Don't bring me that. <laughs> One little boy was asking Santa, Santa, I'd like a new liver. So Santa's asking questions. It appeared the little boy was healthy. And so upon more questioning, Santa asked the little boy about his liver. And he says, no, 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 no. I, my, health, my liver's fine. I just want a liver to play with and stuff. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> One little girl says to Santa, Santa, Mom and Daddy are going to get me all the stuff that I want. <laughs> she understood. But will you please take the stuff that you were going to give me and give it to a poor kid somewhere? I love it. I love it. And I think that's the word picture maybe that John draws for us here in 1 John. Because he, preceding these verses we're looking at, he, again, he makes a statement, Behold what manner of love it is that the Father has made us his children. What a manner of love. Behold what manner of love the Father has that, that we should become children of God. And, and it is an amazing thing. And so John begins to talk, beginning in verse 19 in this passage, of, of how we are when we come before him. And so the context of what John is talking about is that, that time that we come before him. It's that time we come before him in prayer. It's that time we may come before him in a corporate worship setting like this. Or perhaps it's the time you come before him when you're making a commute in your automobile and you're listening to songs or, or you're listening to someone teach the word and, and you're engaged with him in that time. And, and John states that there's the first obstacle, we looked at this last week, that, that has to get out of the way, if you will, as we come before him. And that obstacle is, that oftentimes our heart condemns us. And it may be from a source of the enemy. It may be from someone else. It's wrong thinking sometimes. But oftentimes it's the Holy Spirit convicting us of, of prohibiting sins or patterns in our lives that, that the Father desires for us to turn from and repent of. And he says, first of all, we got to get this condemning heart out of the way because God wants us to approach him with full confidence knowing that he hears our prayers. And then he goes into verse 22, where he says this. He says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. 
Now this phrase that John uses, he not only uses it in 1 John, he uses it a number of times in, in his letter, in his, in his uh, gospel John. Uh, it's also spoken of again here in 1 John, but it's not limited to John's writings. We, we find it in the Old Testament. And that principle is, is that, that we have the ability to approach God and, and make petition or request of Him. And somebody asked me the question, do you understand prayer? And I said, absolutely not. But I know it works. Amen. I, I don't understand the mystery of prayer. I, I love what Billy Graham, he said that, that prayer is the nerve that moves the right hand of God. And, and that for whatever reason, God has called us to partner in with him, to make request of him so that he might fulfill his will in and through our lives and in the world. John writes this in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, verses 23 and 24. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. But until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. John later makes the statement very similar to what he does in chapter 3 and chapter 5 of his letter, verses 14 and 15. And he says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him. Here's this confidence thing, this, this ability that we know that we have confidence before him because of the blood of Christ. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. The psalmist writes this, Psalm 37, verse 4, he says, Delight yourselves in the Lord, in him, in his purposes. Make that your delight in him, if I could paraphrase, add to what, what he's meaning there in the original language. Delight yourself in all that the Lord is desiring his will, desiring his providence, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, these are just a splattering of promises that are given to us in Scripture related to prayer. This morning is not going to be exhaustive teaching on prayer, but I want to pull out from this passage in 1 John some key conditions or principles, I think, that John lays out for us so that these promises that are made to us in prayer, that there are some conditions that have to be met first, that, that there are those that are there and there are conditions to the promise of prevailing prayer. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but this doesn't always happen in my life. Anybody else with me? There are a number of things I've been praying for for years, yet I have not seen them come to pass. 
and things I've prayed for to see that they turned out a different way. But we've got to understand some of these conditions. Number one is this, and kind of go in with that theme that John has already laid out, that we are his children. The first thing that I see as a condition in this passage that we have to have for prevailing prayer is that we have childlike obedience. Again, look what he says. Ask anything because we keep his commandments. Perhaps you've seen a, a parent sometimes to, to get their child to do it. They want them to do by giving them rewards, right? I, I want you to do this, so I'm going to give you a Skittle. I want you to do that, so I'm going to give you six Skittles. I do it with my grandkids all the time. I figure I can send them back home and let mom and dad deal with that. And the fear is, is that if we don't give in to that child, that what will happen is they will pitch a fit until they finally, what, get what they wanted. I can remember when, I love the story when my son Noah was just a little boy, maybe four or five, and he and his mom were at Publix or some public setting, and the, the child was pitching a fit and demanding something from his mom. That's why retailers put it right there at the checkout line, right? Just pitching a fit, and Noah turns up, looks up to his mom, and said, that boy needs a pankin'. <laughs> Recently, I was talking with a family, and uh, they had put their child on some restriction because they had broken one of the house rules. And uh, so the child understood they were on restriction, and, and here's the question, but can't I have my phone, <laughs> right? <laughs> making a request when, when there's disobedience, but can I have my phone? You don't get and understand what restriction is, evidently, son, right? And so it is with the Father that, that as we request or make requests, God's greatest concern is that, is that we walk in obedience to His commands. Jesus said, you'll, they'll know that you're my disciples if you do what? If you obey me. And, and, and you and I understand as we parented that if we gave into to these types of expectations of, of, of gifts or giving and, and there was disobedience on the other hand, we knew as a loving parent that if we give into that, that we're only going to foster more of that kind of behavior, right? If you have multiple kids in the house, you know that if one sees that one gets by with it, guess what? All of the rest are going to want to get by with it as well. And so John says, listen, this is, a, this is a condition to our answered prayer. Understand that God loves you more than you can ever imagine. And he knows that as his child, that if he gives in to our request when there is a lack of obedience in our lives, then he is not doing anything good for us as a loving father, right? You see, love demands obedience. This is the best interest of the child. That if we love our children, we, we expect them and we want them to be obedient because we know that's in their best interest that they're obedient, that they learned that in life. And so it is in the Christian life. There's some consequences of, of giving into this kind of attitude to children and, and consequences in a spiritual place as well that, that if the Father would continually give in to our demands or our wants when we're just living a life that's completely disobedient, the consequences that can come in our lives as a result of that can be absolutely devastating, right? You see... God does not always give me what I want. And by the way, I'm glad that there are some things that I've requested of God that he didn't give to me. 
But he always gives me what I need, not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally in relationships. God gives that to us according to his, his will. I, over almost now 30 years of pastoring, I've had a number of individuals comfort to me for, for counseling in so many different areas. And, and sometimes, man, the results and consequences of their disobedience in their life, unfortunately, have brought on more devastating consequences. And, and one of the things oftentimes that people will come and all of a sudden they hit a financial crisis. Do you know what my first question that I ask? Uh, well, I give comfort in a heart. But you know what my first question is when I ask someone or a couple who comes to me and they're having difficulty in their finances, my first question is, have you been obedient to give the first fruits first? You see, to ask God for a Mercedes Benz, in the words of Janis Joplin, and take all the rest of it and not even consider him, is, is he inclined to give that? Now, he'll give us over to our will and our purposes, and he'll let us do what we want, Right? But we will pay the consequences of that in our life. And God desires that, that we not. Uh, I jotted down some things that, that are kind of a disobedient heart that I see in myself oftentimes. And you may relate to them as well. But I recognize that when I come to God, if, if my heart is a self-willed heart and I'm asking of God for, for myself, then then. And no regard for him or others, what it's going to do is create in me a more obstinate heart and, and just feed my flesh, which is selfish to the core. Somebody else have a core selfish self that you deal with? Yeah, we all do. And so if, if God gives into that, he knows that it's going to breed that in my life. Uh, sometimes I can come with haughty, arrogant, proud spirit that, that longs for greater elevation, Right? That, that, that I desire more and more for, for myself rather than for God's purposes. And what I realize is that sometimes God does not give that to us because he gave, if he gave it to me in that state, it would only make me more proud and more arrogant. You, you see, the heart is the condition that God sees. Sometimes I, I, I don't see my heart in my request to God, but He does. The Holy Spirit pierces, and He, and he knows that in that request, there are things that, that need to be changed in me before God can grant me that request. I've been asking Him to win the lottery for years. <laughs> the other thing I realize that that, that if, if, if I have a lazy or slothful spirit and, and I ask for greater ease, if he gives me greater ease, it's going to breed more laziness, slothfulness, right? The point in all of this is, is that if we're not careful and, and, and are subject to the Holy Spirit as we're before him, our, our requests that we make of God can do more damage to us. But aren't you glad that we have a loving Father who withholds sometimes requests of us because he knows that if he grants that to us, then our stinking flesh will only generate more stinking flesh, right? It's out of his love. Number two, uh, very similar to the other, that, that I find that we have to have as we approach God is childlike reverence. Notice in that same verse, it says that not only we obey His commands, but we, we do what pleases Him. 
not for a show of hands, but how many of you may have had may have raised sons or daughters that that it seemed like everything you said, everything you did, they challenged you in everything that you said or did. You could tell them I'm going to do this for you, and they're going to challenge you in that. My brother Maurice and I were talking at dinner Friday night, and we were talking about our other brother. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bad child. I hope he's not watching Facebook Live. And I can remember that, that my brother Michael, we were agreeing in this. He, he just always seemed to be challenging dad. When he was about 16, I can remember him challenging dad in an area. And, and he kind of drew back like, like maybe he's posturing or maybe he was going to throw a ride at dad. Lord. My dad was one of the kindest, humblest, sweetest men, but he beat the dog out of my brother when he drew back to hit him. <laughs> I was four years younger, and I said, note to self, never draw back at dad. <laughs> but we have to approach him in, in childlike reverence, recognizing and understanding that, that he's not the man upstairs. He's not the great Houdini who is just there to do tricks to provide me for all of my wants and desires. We have to recognize that he is God most holy. And, and our approach to him is, is not, not, listen, I, I know the Bible says that we're a friend of God. But it's not on that same level that, 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 that we might be buds with the guys, you know. It's, he's God. He's God Almighty. And, and there's that reverence for him. He does not exist for my pleasures. I exist for his and his glory. Amen. So we have to have a reverence before God. He says, man, man, we do what pleases him. Our attitude and our, our prayer, our life is, God, we, we want to honor you. God, we want to praise you. God, we want to bring you glory through our lives. And God, would you take anything that I might want? And Lord, if it's not in keeping with a, a life that honors you, then Lord, change my heart. Recognize who he is. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. While Jesus being God, very God, did not consider equality with God, Philippians chapter 2, something to be held on to, but he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Jesus is God, yet he submitted himself to the Father, and there he is in the garden, and he's praying, knowing that the sins of the world are about to be placed on him, knowing that he's going to a cross to suffer on our behalf. And he says, Father, in my human, in my humanness, God, if there's any other way, let this cup of your wrath pass from me. Nevertheless, my will, Father, but your will. And so he desires that we have that heart in him. The third thing that I find is in verse 23. Uh, two things that, that really come out there through the last three, actually. He says this in verse 30, 23. And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That third area that's a condition is that, that we have childlike trust in our Father. Now, notice he says here that, that we believe in Jesus Christ, his son. That word believe is not just a cognitive reasoning kind of belief, but that word has the idea more of a trust. 
that we place our trust in him and not only in Jesus, but he says in the name of, and when he says in the name of, the name signifies there the totality of who that person was. And so in the name of Jesus, it's not just something we tag on the end of our prayers and say, okay, we got your name in there. Now we're going to get it, right? But it's recognizing that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And not only is he high and exalted above all, but he desires to be high and exalted in our lives as well and sitting on the throne of our hearts. So we have to have childlike trust. Everywhere in Scripture, faith in God is spoken of as a necessity to prevailing prayer. Our faith in God. Now, what do we mean when we say our faith in God? Our faith in God meaning that, that number one, He is able. He's all-powerful. Uh, do you ever face situations like I do commonly in my life that I recognize I have absolutely no control in this situation? Maybe it's a thing that comes with age. We, we finally get to the place to realize, you know, the only thing I have control over is how I respond. Those other matters I have no control over whatsoever. But God, you know... And God, I know it's futile for me to try to intervene to exact my will in that situation, in particular when it relates to others. I can't change a person, right? Sometimes as a pastor, people think you can change folks. Listen, I can't change myself, let alone somebody else, right? It's, it's only God that can work in that, and we recognize God. We, we trust that God, only you can move and intervene in this situation. We have our faith in Him. Now, I've got to say this. It's not faith in our faith, but it's faith in God. You see, we misunderstand this faith concept so often, probably because of such of the heret so much of the heretical teaching that, that is out there that's, that's basically says, listen, you, whatever you want and you believe, you can have. So I put a picture on my mirror of a young strapping 21-year-old man, and I said, that's what I'm going to have. I'm claiming it, and I'm naming it. <laughs> I can look at that mirror till the cows come home, and guess what? He's never going to look as good as I do. <laughs> you see, it's, it's faith in God, not faith in my faith. Who is it that said, Lord, help me in my what? Help me in my unbelief. Faith comes from God. The faith that we have is not that we have exercised it and made it ourselves, but by God's grace, he has given us faith. James says this in chapter 1. He says, verses 5 and 6, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, that would apply to all of us, right? If any of you lacks wisdom... Uh, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I've received answers in prayer, and I'm like, <laughs> God, you're wrong. That's not, I, I don't want it. I know I asked you for wisdom, but now that you've given it to me, I, I really don't want that. I want to I wanna go and do what I want to do. Haven't we? Yeah. He says, listen, when you, when you ask of God, ask in faith. But know this, that when God gives the answer, 
back to point one, then be obedient to what he answers and how he answers your prayer. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? I find that sometimes I, when I begin to ask, as I'm in communion with God, as I'm before Him, I recognize and realize that I'm asking amiss because what I'm asking for is really not in keeping with what I understand to be the will of God. You see, somebody said this, and I'll quote him. He it says, it's, it's not that we move God to agree with our position or our petition, but it's that he moves our hearts in prayer that we desire to pray for those things that are his will, not ours. You see, prayer is not about getting a response from God. Prayer is more about me aligning my heart and being in communion with him to know his will. The fourth area is this, childlike love. Noticing context. He says, love one another, not only believe in the name, but love one another just as he has commanded you. It really bothered me when my children, my two kids, were fighting with each other. Did it bother you as a parent when they were fighting with each other? There's nothing that breaks your heart more as a parent when, when the two kids are fighting, especially sometimes because you might be drawn in to, to want to take a side. And what parent can take a side with one of their children? It's like, no, I want you to get along and I want you to love each other. I want, I want harmony in the house. And I think it's the same way in this loving one another, in particular in the body of Christ. That one of the conditions of our answered prayers or our prevailing in prayer is that if, if the children in the house are fighting with one another, the Father is not going to answer that prayer because we would. He wants right. He wants us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and He wants us to love each other as our neighbor. So, God's really working in a body oftentimes just to, to get us to love Him and to love one another. And as a father, it breaks his heart when he sees his children fighting with one another or backbiting one another or gossiping about the other. God says, no, I want you as my children to get along and to love each other. If God answered my questions when I have barriers up between myself and others. If he, if he gives to me in that, it only reinforces that attitude of, of having an unloving heart. But if I recognize as I'm requesting of God and he brings that to mind that, you know, you've got this separation here with this individual. Don't bring me your offerings. First, leave them right there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back into my presence. And what Jesus said, he desires for us to have love for one another and to be in fellowship and unity with one another. 
Sometimes we don't have our prayers answered because we're not loving others the way we should. There's a verse that Peter writes in, in 1 Peter chapter 3 that, that he really deals with husbands. And he says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And I put in parentheses, and I'm going to ask Peter that when I get to the gates. <laughs> Peter, I've never understood a thing she did. How do you, how am I? No, that's a joke. <laughs> I hope she's watching the next service online, not this one. She's at home with the grandkids. They're sick. The Holy Spirit put that there for a reason because He knows that, that if we're, we're not living with our spouse in an understanding and loving way, at the end of that verse, He says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. It's a principle in Scripture that, that if I have a broken relationship with a brother or sister, husband, wife, child, daughter, etc., within the body, it, it is going to hinder, it's going to interfere, it's going to affect my fellowship with the Father. God desires His children to love one another. And, and the great command, love God, love your neighbor. And if there's fighting here, if there's spats there, if there's a mean spirit towards another there. And listen, we all suffer with it from time to time. I don't care how holy or sanctimonious we are because people offend us, right? People irritate us. Sometimes we don't get what we want. And as James said, we fight and quarrel because we do not get what we want. We're all that way. So welcome to the crowd, right? Now we don't want to say, well, let's just stay that way because that's the way we are. No. Let's depend on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to change and transform our hearts so that we might genuinely love one another and learn to have long-suffering. And he says, listen, live in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. Not only does it affect our relationship, our fellowship with God, but, but where there is a brokenness between relationship, particularly in the family of God, it not only affects those two children, it affects every child in the house or within that area of community. It's a tactic of the devil. And if he can get us unloving towards one another, it may just be a small community, maybe a small group, maybe, maybe a discipleship group, but if he, can, if he can get that happen, you know what happens? He's one, man. He can just step back and, and we're just fighting, squabbling, and we're no longer about the mission. Verse 24, the last one. That we have childlike ways. Verse 24 says, Whoever keeps his commandments and abides in God and God in him. That we have childlike ways. The best way I can illustrate this way. When I was in the Navy, at certain times where I had lived away from the old home place. Man, I loved going back home. I, you know why I loved going back home? Because there were familiar faces there. There were familiar smells. The tea was always the same. <laughs> Those I loved were there, my mom and dad and my family. Except for my brother Michael. We didn't get No, just did. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to be at the home place. Mom and dad have gone on now. They're, they're no longer living. Our nephew has the home now. And you know what? I still love going to the old home place. Why? It brings me back 
to, to who I am. It brings me back to why I'm who I am. There's, there's a familiarity there. There's that abiding, and I know the illustration breaks down, but this is the best I can use to describe this or try to paint a word picture for it. When he says that we, we abide in Him, that, that we have childlike ways, that we enjoy being with the Father. We enjoy His company. We enjoy being in fellowship with Him. We, we, we enjoy worshiping Him. We, we enjoy praising Him. We, we, we have that enjoyment. And, and it's not always a, a high mountain experience. Listen, some of the times where I've enjoyed the presence of the Father most have been when I've been in the extreme valleys of life. That we abide in Him. You see, he desires for us to abide in him as, as we look for these five keys that are in here that we want to take away this morning. Conditions in our prayer. Conditions in being before him. He wants us to come with childlike obedience, childlike reverence, childlike trust, childlike love, and childlike ways. May God refresh and renew each of our prayer life in the coming week. I pull aside. I just want to share something real quick. I know we're running up on time. I had to share with my guys in my discipleship group Friday. Michael is one of them in there. I said, you know, in, in what I do, I mean, I only work one day a week, so what I do. But in what I do in pastoring, I, I'm, I'm preparing sometimes four times a week to teach in various ways. And I'm in the Word all the time. But, but one thing that the Lord just really struck me with is like, J-Mo, you're in the Word all the time. But listen, I just want you in my presence. Because every time I approach a passage, I'm like, oh, man, this is, what's the Greek here? God just wants me to delight in Him. To be in his presence. Folks, he wants you and I to be in his presence. To come before him. To make our request in line with these things. The things he desires most. I, I really believe this. The thing the Father desires most is that, that we are in fellowship with him. And thereby in that experience of fellowship with him... We give him glory. Your assignment this week is similar to last week. Carve out a place, a time, nothing there, no phone, no distractions. A place may be completely where you can't get up and do tasks and just spend some time before the Father and enjoy his company. Respond in obedience to wherever it is he might lead you to do this coming week. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.